Crosspoint Community Church. We are here to help each other worship, live, and rescue like Jesus. For more info on who we are, go to cpmodesto.org. So today begins our celebration leading toward Christmas, and um, our, uh, our approach to Christmas this year is that we are going to be looking at, at Christmas through the eyes of some different Christmas hymns. Um, and I thought it'd be fun this morning to do like a competition and have like a, a prize for whoever can, can accurately guess which Christmas hymns we're going to be looking through over the next three weeks. What? Oh, I guess, I guess they're there. Anyway, um, so we're going to be looking through the eyes of some traditional his, Christmas hymns that we, that we are, probably most of us are really, really familiar with singing them, but probably not familiar with really the perspective that, that, they, that they come with. Um, this morning, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be talking about Joy to the World, and uh, it's interesting. I, Joy to the World was written by a guy named Isaac Watts, who lived in the late 1600s into the early 1700s. Um, he grew up in Southampton, England. His father actually ran a boarding school, and so he had access to great uh, academics and scholarship and, and was very well-educated. He was uh, a poet, he was a pastor, uh, he wrote music, and that music and his writing spread pretty rapidly in England. Uh, very interesting story about Isaac Watts is that uh, he received a letter from uh, a woman named Elizabeth Springer one day, um, had never met her, had never seen her, but got a letter from her, and she had uh, apparently been familiar with his writing and his music, and I don't know if his preaching or not, but um, didn't live in, in, the, in the vicinity, but she, got, she wrote a letter to him, and in the letter, she asked him to marry her. And uh, so there was a letter of proposal, and they had never met before, never seen each other, and so he said sure, or yes, or however that works, and she eventually got on a train and traveled to Southampton. She got to Southampton, and, and at the train station, uh, he was waiting for her, and she got off, and as soon as she got off the train, she turned around and got back on the train, and the train left. Um, she's quoted as saying, he was only five feet tall, with a shallow face and a hooked nose, prominent cheekbones, small eyes, and death-like color. Someone last service said, I just described Danny DeVito as the penguin. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunate for Isaac Watts. Um, they didn't get married, uh, nor did he actually ever marry. Um, and I highly doubt this is going to be the basis for next, one of next year's Hallmark Christmas movies. Um, doesn't quite follow that plot. Um, but, but anyway, that experience didn't take away his joy, as he did write the song Joy to the World, um, he grew up in, in a pretty difficult time in history. Uh, if you're familiar with that, that time frame, um, 
It was a time of pretty intense uncertainty. Uh, the bubonic plague had just decimated Southampton and much of England. And so they were dealing with the aftermath of a massive plague. Uh, there was a lot of pressure uh, within, within their society and environment. Um, his father was actually uh, described as a nonconformist. Uh, and the nonconformists at that time were Christians who didn't exactly agree in lockstep with the Anglican Church, the Church of England at that time, in the form and manner of worship. And so the nonconformists wanted to worship and express themselves in ways that they thought was more uh, true to Scripture, and the Anglican Church did not allow that, and so there was all kinds of pressure from the Anglican Church toward those who were nonconformists. Um, furthermore, not only was there pressure, but it actually uh, stepped into some persecution where uh, Isaac Watts' father was in and out of jail um, because of his, some of his views that did not correlate with the Anglican Church. And so uh, he spent some time in jail uh, during Isaac's life. And, 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 so, and so there was definitely kind of a, a context of uncertainty and pressure and even persecution um, during that time. Uh, Isaac wrote a number of poems and songs, uh, and he published them in 1719 as a collection called The Psalms of David. And within that collection was Joy to the World. Um, Joy to the World is actually very, very strongly, I would say even more than based, but almost runs parallel to Psalm 98. That was the psalm that, that, that Isaac used as, I don't even know if I call it inspiration, but kind of the palette for joy to the world. So if you have your Bibles this morning, I want you to turn to Psalm chapter 98. One of the interesting things is as we get into joy to the world, um, it is kind of a quintessential Christmas song, isn't it? Uh, you hear it in Christmas movies. As soon as you hear Joy to the World, you, you know it's about Christmas. But it's interesting because if we've actually, if you take a step back and actually look at the lyrics of Joy to the World, and you actually look at Psalm 98, Joy to the World is, is, is less about the advent and the birth of Christ and is more so about Christ's return, his second coming. It, it's less about the incarnation and probably more about the culmination. In fact, I, I, was, I, was, I was talking uh, with, with somebody this morning and, and even thinking about how this song is actually much more of a wedding song than it is uh, a Christmas song. Because really the song is about the wedding of the lamb and his church when Jesus returns. And, and so, really, it's, it's, it's a song that, that while we, we think of Christmas when we hear it, really, it reminds us that the, that the Advent is only the beginning, and we are looking forward to what Paul calls our blessed hope. And, and, and so, really, if you look at joy to the world in the context of Christmas, Christmas is really not just about a birth in Bethlehem, but it's about what is coming, what is on its way that they waited so long for the birth of the Messiah, but, but the birth of the Messiah actually clicks in this idea of what's coming later. And, and, so, and so in Psalm 98, 
Uh, it's, it's a kind of amazing. I would encourage you even this week, if you, if you, maybe in your quiet time or devotions, take Joy to the World and Psalm 98 and just read them together because have them next to each other because it's pretty incredible how, how cool that is. Um, I have to do a little adjusting to Joy to the World to make it fit, fit the text, but we're gonna go with text over song. Um, and, and so um, we're gonna, gonna shift the second and third stanza of Joy to the World to the top. And so if, if, you, if you're kind of re, revamping Joy to the World, we're gonna go verse two, three, one, four. Um, and, and so because in Psalm 98, that's kind of the order that we see in Psalm 98. And so um, I'm gonna just start reading the first few verses of, of Psalm 98. Uh, here, chapter one. David writes, O sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made known his salvation. He has revealed his righteousness in the sight of nations. He's remembered his steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. So the first few verses of Psalm 98, David looks at God as, as Savior, God's salvation. And really, as we know, David had that uh, perspective of Israel, looking forward to what God would do and seeing God as the, the, God's salvation to Israel. But we know that really what we see in Psalm 98 is not only that moment in time in Israel, but we also see that foreshadowing, that picture moving forward, that, that it's, it's, it's that Jesus Christ is the savior for all people. That it's the salvation that, that looks forward to Jesus Christ, his birth, and then his death and his resurrection, and how Jesus is the savior for all people. Listen to what, what joy to the, the, the lyrics to Joy to the World in verses two and three. It says, joy to the world, the Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ. While fields and floods, rocks, hills, and plains repeat the sounding joy. And then in the third, it says, no more let sins and sorrow grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. See, in Psalm 98, one through three, and in the second and third verses of Joy to the World, what we see is God, through his, through his actions, specifically salvation, God has displayed his righteousness and his faithfulness to Israel and to us. I mean, just kind of look at, the, look at the, 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 the text in Psalm. It says, oh, sing to the Lord a new song. We've done, what are the marvelous things that God has done? Well, for David, in his perspective in Israel, the marvelous things God has done is he, he'd brought them out of Egypt. He had parted the Red Sea. He had given them a land and a people. And he constantly was faithful to Israel, even when Israel was unfaithful to him. And thinking about what David says in, in our context, for, for, for what, is he, what are the marvelous things that God has done? Well, he sent Jesus Christ, God the Son, to be born in human flesh, take on all the things that we have and, and be a sacrifice for our sins to make it possible that we can have forgiveness and eternal life with him. 
And he continues to do marvelous things in us. Take, those, take us who, who are rebellious and sinful, and oftentimes we think our thoughts are better than God's thoughts and our ways are better than God's ways, yet he continues to love and pursue and forgive us. He says, he says that the Lord has made known his salvation and he's revealed his righteousness in the sight of nations. Israel was the conduit that God showed his righteousness to the nations back then. But then with Jesus, God shows his righteousness through Jesus Christ, through the church, through us. He shows his righteousness by giving us his righteousness through the forgiveness of sins. And he makes known salvation to all nations, doesn't he? It says he has remembered his steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. And he says, all the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. And, and again, in David's context, he was seeing that all the ends of the earth that he could see saw God's salvation through God's treatment of Israel. And that those nations were invited, being invited in to be blessed by that. But what about today, how, how the ends of the earth have seen God's salvation? How do they see that? We, we see people going to every tribe and, and tongue and nation one of the things that, that I, that's, that's really cool and I don't want you to miss, whether you're here Friday night for the kickoff or, or here this morning out in the Welcome Center, there's, there's a display uh, and it's, got, it's, it's called Hold the Rope. Hold the Rope. And uh, there's these little uh, magnets out there. And, and on these cards, we have all of the people that we've sent out as, as missionaries all over the world and, and all the partners that we partner with who are, who are basically uh, carrying the salvation of our God to the very ends of the earth, like what David says. And, and these, these, are, these are magnet reminders to be praying for. And, and what's, what's kind of cool, um, the, the reason we're, we're calling that hold the rope comes from a, a story from, from 1792. And if you're subscribing to the Daily Advent Emails. You've already heard Christine talk about this in one of those. But, but in 1792, William Carey uh, felt called to go to, uh, to a, a place where no one has shared the gospel ever before. And so he talked to his friend, Andrew Fuller, and he said, I will go if you will hold the rope. Because he said, I feel like I'm going into this deep, dark well, and I need somebody to hold the rope for me. I need somebody to be helping me, supporting me, praying for me, encouraging me. And so Andrew Fuller, while he couldn't go, he said, I'll hold the rope for you while you go and bring salvation to these dark places. And so the idea of hold, being a rope holder is that some of us are called to go down the rope, others are called to hold the rope, but we all participate together. And so, and so these out there are, are to remind us that, that we can be rope holders for people who are serving God and taking this, God's salvation to the ends of the earth, that we can participate with them. It doesn't necessarily make it so that we don't have to be sharing Jesus with those where God has placed us in our context, because we absolutely have to be doing that. But we can also at the same time be holding the rope for those ministries and individuals who are out sharing the salvation of God to all nations. And, and so, so basically, again, we, we see in the first three verses of Psalm 98, the, the, the verses two and three of Joy to the World, that Jesus Christ is the Savior for all people. 
And then moving into verse four, David writes, make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. Break forth into joyous song and sing praises. Sing praises to the Lord with a lyre and with a lyre and, with, and the sound of melody. With trumpets and the sound of the horn, make a joyful noise before the King, the Lord. Not only is Jesus Christ the Savior for all people, but Jesus Christ is the King over all the earth. David talks about God as King above all kings. The Psalms talk about God, above, God is God above all other gods. And, and, and listen to what, what is written in Joy to the World in that first verse. The joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room and heaven and nature sing. You see here that the psalmist exhorts Israel to sing praises to God and celebrate him as king. In, in the psalm, it says, with, with all of these instruments and with our voices, lift up praise to God because he's king. Celebrate him as king. It's interesting. One of the things we take away from scripture is that our praise or our worship is not complete without recognizing Jesus as the king of all the earth and of my life. And so if we're singing praises or are worshiping God and we are not surrendered to Jesus as king, then we're not really praising or worshiping. It's incomplete. We need to see him, and, and for me, I think, for, for those of us who, who follow Jesus and who, who have, have received his salvation, it's an issue of resurrendering. That God calls us to resurrender all the time, that, that every morning, I think I have to get up and resurrender myself to God. I don't, I don't re-become a Christian, but I do resurrender because, because every day, my wants and my agendas and my desires are, are, are pretty, pretty hard. And they, they get back into my heart. And so every day we need to resurrender. I have to resurrender to Jesus as king. But listen to, what, listen to what the psalmist says. He says, make a joyful noise, all the earth. Again, not just those who recognize Jesus as king, but all the earth has to recognize and can find joy that Jesus is king. So sing praises and with instruments, Lay that before the, before the king, the Lord. And, and, and again, so, so we see here that, that, that Jesus is, is, is savior and, and, and even David saw God as savior looking forward to what Jesus would do and, and David sees God as king. And again, Jesus in, in his death and resurrection and then his ascension, what did Jesus do in his ascension? He, he was He's sitting at the right hand of God the Father and God placed all things under his feet when Jesus ascended. And so he is already king. We will fully experience his kingship. Some of us willingly will experience his kingship and others it will be forced on because he is king, king above all kings. And so what we see in Psalm 98, enjoy to the world, that Jesus is Savior, Jesus is King. And then finally, in the last few verses, we see Jesus Christ, the judge of all nations. 
Look at what, look at what David writes in verse seven. He says, let the sea roar and all that fills it. The world and those who dwell in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the hills sing for joy together before the Lord. For he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and the people with equity. Very similar statement is made in Psalm 96. Where, where we write, we read in verse 11, it says, let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exult and everything in it. Then shall the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord. For he comes, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. It's interesting because when we think about being judged, that's not really an exciting thing for us. When you think about you're about to be judged, you, you, it's not necessarily typically the source of joy, but because of who Jesus is and the potential of our relationship with him, there is joy in judging, in judgment. In fact, listen to what the final stands of Joy of the World says. It, it, it's writ, this is what's written. He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and wonders of his love. Think about that, that he rules the world with truth and grace and he makes the nation prove. That's, a, that's, a ju that's judge language, isn't it? They must prove themselves to the judge and the judge will come out with, with an, a decision. And you see, the psalmist describes personified creation rejoicing at God's arrival to judge the earth and the restoration of judgment, of justice. And see, there's, there's a clear and proper order to understanding why there's joy in judgment. And, it, and it, it's how the psalm is written and set up and how maybe we can adjust joy to the world because it starts with this, that Jesus Christ is savior of all people. What does that mean? That means he, he can forgive our sins, he can make us right, and we won't have to face the, the consequences of our sin. So Jesus Christ is savior of all people, and then it says that he is king of all, all the earth. All the earth, every nation, every tribe, every tongue, every language, everything. He's king over all. And so there's no one ultimately that can slip by and run a rebel campaign when the king says it's over. And then it says he's, he's, Jesus is the judge of all nations. Because he's savior and because he's king, when he comes to judge those who belong to him, we can have great confidence before the judge even shows up that we will be declared righteous. Typically, you wait for, for the decision, don't you? In a case, you wait for the decision later and you're kind of nervous going up to it, even if it seems like it's going your way. But we have the assurance because Jesus is savior and he's king that as judge, if we've responded to his invitation to salvation, that we will be judged upon his sacrifice, not our sacrifice. And so his judgment for us is reason for great and incredible joy. And, 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 so, and so 
what we see here is in Joy to the World is, is maybe secondarily a Christmas song, but really Joy to the World is a song about Jesus as Savior, as King, and as Judge. Again, I love, I love in, in, in Joy to the World where, where, he said, where the words say, uh, let no, let, no more let sin and sorrow grow, nor thorns infest the ground. If you go back, remember in the garden that the, the ground was cursed and that it would always cause problems for us. But because of Jesus and ultimately when he makes everything right, when he died and rose again, that lifted the curse, but we still lived with some of the consequences that one day he will lift all, the, all of that together. There will be this culmination where the ground will not cause problems or have thorns anymore. Again, this song is, is as I said, more about the, the second coming, the culmination of all things, about the moment where, where the bridegroom, Jesus Christ, comes to the church and, and, and they consummate their marriage and have the wedding feast. That's what joy to the world is about. It's about knowing with confidence and boldness and being encouraged that Jesus is all of these things and we can absolutely bank on it. Joy to the World was written by Isaac Watts in the midst of uncertainty, in the midst of pressure, and even in the midst of some persecution. As we've been studying up to this, this point, and as we've looked at Malachi a few weeks ago, we know that Jesus was born into a world of uncertainty. Jesus was born into a world of great pressure. And Jesus was born into a world of persecution. So Jesus' very birth was, was in the same environment that the song Joy to the World was written. But then you look at our context. We live in a time of uncertainty, don't we? Not, not unlike Isaac Watts and the way that the bubonic plague had upset everything in life and society. We don't know what's coming around the corner. People making unreasonable and sometimes reasonable decisions. So we live in a time of uncertainty. We live in a time of pressure. At least in my lifetime, this seems to be the, the, the highest degree of, of, of emotional and mental struggle and pressure on people because of what they've experienced. It's, it's interesting, I, I sometimes listen to a guy named Kerry Newhoff who, who works with, uh, in association with the Barna Group and um, he and another guy released a, an emergency podcast last week because uh, about a year ago in January of 2021, Barna did a, a survey of pastors and, and one question in particular, they asked a very specific question and it was not, um, you know, do you fantasize about not being a, a pastor or leaving? But the question was, are you seriously considering with consequence leaving ministry? They asked that question. So it, it had the, it, to say yes, you had to have actually started to kind of make some plans of how you would leave ministry. And in January 2021, 
36% of pastors surveyed said, yes, they, they are considering leaving ministry. Not going to another church, but just leaving ministry. And so they asked that question again just recently, and the result, which they were hoping for, was to be encouraging, but they kind of panicked and they felt a bit of crisis, and so they did this podcast because they felt like some pastors needed to be encouraged, and, and they asked the same question of pastors, and so now, from, 20, from January to now, that number of 20, uh, 26% is now 38% of pastors say that they're seriously thinking about leaving ministry. And it's broken down further of pastors 45 and older, it's 34%. Pastors 45 and under, it's 46%. And I share that with you, not because I'm thinking about that, <laughs> but because we live in a time of intense pressure, don't we? And everybody feels it. I would say that we don't live in a time of persecution, but I'd say the environment is, seems to be productive for persecution. Um, if we think we're in a time of persecution, we might wanna talk to some of our family members in different places in the world who've actually been persecuted for decades. But I'd say that our environment and our culture is ripe to move that direction. So really, we live in a time very much like the time Jesus was born into, very much like the time Isaac Watts wrote, Joy to the World, a time of uncertainty, pressure, and persecution. But here's what's cool about that. When Jesus was born, there was incredible joy in the midst of all of that. Isaac Watts wrote in the midst of that time, he wrote a song called Joy to the World. And today, we can have joy. Why? Why joy to the world? Why joy to the world? Because Jesus has already come to be our savior. Jesus is our savior. He's the savior to every person on earth. And the way we benefit from that is by surrendering ourselves to Jesus. Why joy to the world? Because Jesus is a good and righteous king over all the earth. Some of us have surrendered to him as king. Some have not. But there will come a day when every King, every dictator, every monarch, every president, every governor will bow to King Jesus without exception. Joy to the world, why? Because Jesus will return as judge over all nations. And that judgment brings joy for those who are part of God's family and brings consequence to those who are not and what that does is that brings us great joy because we know that we, will, we are already, but we will hear ourselves being declared righteous before the judge who judges all people with justice and equity. So that's why we can have joy. That's why joy to the world. Because we have a savior, we have a king, and we have a judge who loves us, who is everything for us, 
And, and, and so the call this morning, there's a few things. One is this, if you're here this morning or you're watching or listening, have you answered, have you answered to Jesus as Savior to all people? Jesus as Savior, have you received salvation? Have you given your life to Jesus? And it's as simple as recognizing that you are sinful and you've sinned against God and that Jesus can forgive, that Jesus has died for you and rose from the dead and that he wants to forgive you and that you want to accept his forgiveness and that you wanna give your life over to Jesus. If you're here this morning or listening or watching and you haven't done that, do that today. Do that this morning. The second call is this. It's a call of surrender, or I would say re-surrender to Jesus as king. Have you re-surrendered your desires, your plans, your agenda to Jesus Christ as king over all the earth? Because we need to do that frequently. It's not just one time in my life I surrendered to Jesus and that took care of my, the difficulties that I have. And, and, and so is now a moment that you need to re-surrender again. And then finally, the other call is to seek. Because if Jesus is judge and he will come to judge everyone, then that means we have a job to do. We need to be reaching those around us. We need to be holding the rope for those who are going down that well that maybe we can't go, but we can hold the rope for them. And while we're holding the rope for them, we can be bearing testimony and bearing witness to those around us who God has placed around us to give them the, the gospel message. Jesus' judge for those who have salvation should create an urgency to tell the rest of the people about Jesus. And so this morning, I wanna invite the prayer team to come forward, and I'm gonna pray for us. And if you, after I pray, if you want to come up and, and, and receive prayer, if you want to talk to someone about salvation, about giving your life to Jesus this morning, I would encourage you to come forward, or you can do it right there where you sit, and really all it takes is for you to talk to Jesus, and he hears everything you say, and just say, Jesus, I, I know I'm sinful, and I know you can forgive me. So please forgive me and, and I wanna surrender my life to you. But I would encourage you to, to talk to someone here or somebody today about that. Maybe during our time of prayer, you need to re-surrender yourself. Maybe there's something you're holding onto. And maybe you haven't been a great rope holder. Maybe you haven't been great at, 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 at displaying Jesus to the people around you. But here's the thing, we can do all those things with great joy because of the confidence that Jesus gives us because he's our savior, our king, and our judge. Let me pray for us. Father, we come before you this morning and I thank you for your love. 
God, I thank you for, thank you for sending God the Son to put on flesh and to walk with us and take that path to the cross, be raised from the dead and ascend into heaven. And that we have the assurance that he's coming back in truth and grace. Father, this morning I pray for, for those of us who have decisions before us, whether it's, it's to begin a relationship with you or it's to resurrender ourselves or areas of our lives that we've taken back or haven't given over. God, I pray that you would help us to, to be fully in a sense of urgency to, to, to be calling others into relationship to you. Father, I thank you that, that, that even in the midst of uncertainty and pressure, and persecution that we can have unspeakable joy because we have a savior, a king, and a judge who eclipses all of those things and will one day make all things right. And so God, we thank you for this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you feel inspired and moved by what God is doing here at Crosspoint.